On today's episode of Titus and Tate, there were two top 10 tilts over the weekend, and uh, we were we were in New York City, so we uh, didn't really watch them, but we hit them on the DVR, and we're ready to talk about today. Yeah, I'm fired up, and uh, as soon as I heard top 10 tilts, top 10 but our boy John Fanta, and I saw John Fanta pulled a power move in the journalism world. He started putting out his top players list, and uh, he's getting aggregated, he's getting graphics, and you and I were saying... I think it's wooden watch list time, so I'm fired up about that. We're going to be doing a wooden watch list. We're going to talk about Houston, a uh, big win at Virginia. We're going to talk about uh, Arizona, Tennessee, which uh, best new rivalry in college basketball, Tate? Arizona, Tennessee? Right. No love lost between these two teams, Tate. They hate each other. And the refs were not bad both ways. They were bad one way last year <laughs> and one way this year, so we'll talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, so, somebody touched somebody's elbow in the handshake line, too. Did you see that? There was, Ooh, that, was, that uh, got was, a little contentious yeah, there for a second. Kirk was trying to start a fight again, uh, as expected. Uh, <laughs> is, is Gonzaga back or is Alabama fraudulent? Ooh, we'll we'll discuss that. Uh, Brandon Miller is definitely not fraudulent. I know that much, but uh, we'll 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 talk about that. Also, is John Calipari on the hot seat, Tate? I don't know how much you've been paying attention to Big Blue Nation, the fallout from losing to UCLA, but it is a uh, well, boy. John I mean, Calipari as, is not popular in Lexington right now. As first reported on Titus and Tate, when we went on uh, Kentucky radio uh, years and years ago, we years said, ago. Do, not, "Do not sell your soul to this man. It will not end well." They said, "Get these people out of my face. I never want to yep. hear from them again." And now here we are, and we're saying, Kentucky, join us. It's time. Yeah. The seat yeah. is hot. The we, seat we've, is been, we've been patting the, the, the seat next to us, saying, like, come sit down. Come sit down on the, uh, you know. Have a seat. On, on, the, uh, on the island that uh, says, Big yeah, that Cal is not God. And they were like, no, we're not ready. And then now I think they might be ready. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, but you, as you said, Wooden Ward watch list. We're about a third of the way through the regular season, Tate. And, um, you know, some some uh, I think it's Zach Eady's trophy to lose. But are there other candidates? Are there guys that were supposed to be contending that have completely uh, fallen by the wayside? Um, all that kind of stuff might be fun to talk about today. Uh, so we will do that. We will do that on today's show. But uh, there's a lot to get to. There are a lot of great games that happen that we have not discussed. And, uh, you know, we're a couple days late, but better late than never, as, as it turns out. So we're going to do that. But first, Woody Durham. All right, uh, we'll try to figure out which one of these games we want to start with. I'm not sure uh, where you're standing. A quick uh, recap to the recap, Tate, of the Titus and Tate Bowl that I'm still not over, that I'm still uh, just uh, – I, I woke up in the middle of the night last night and just said Larry – or uh, Pete Nance. I almost called him Larry Nance. Uh, <laughs> Pete Nance, are you kidding me? And I'm cursing the heavens um, saying we lo- we let a Northwestern guy hit a buzzer beater on us. How did this happen? Ow. Um but one thing we didn't talk about in the recap that I wanted to to mention because uh, I've had a lot of friends and family reaching out asking what was at stake in this game, and um, I, I put it on Twitter before the game, but uh, we never actually talked about it on the podcast. That that you and I off air had come to an agreement that the stakes for the Titus and Tate Bowl this year uh, were were such that the loser would have to go to a Sierra Canyon game to uh, get the boots on the ground report of Bronny James and the James family. Bryce James is also a Sierra Canyon, is he not? Right, right. And yeah. Scotty Pippen's uh, second youngest son uh, is playing there. Kitty Hardaway's son, right? Right. It's if if you like the former <laughs> NBA player, their son is probably at Sierra Canyon, and also the the Kardashians will probably be at the game. So we'll get an update there too. So, uh, last time our teams played, the Pac-12 update was born. The loser had to uh, monitor the Pac-12 situation and uh, provide updates throughout the season. 
um which which kind of turned into actually like me being jealous that you get a <laughs> you try to take you I would, commandeer the pac-12 update about halfway through. i definitely did because the pac-12 was, i would have i mean we we basically memed the pac-12 back i mean there there was a time when we kind of did was yeah. obviously a joke i mean and then you get rid of larry scott now you have t- maybe the best rivalry in college basketball seriously when you talk about ucla and arizona two programs that are yeah com- continuously trending up and are, are somehow very very cool again and uh at a time three years ago kids the pac-12 update was a joke and now it's a lot of fun so we needed something else like halfway through that james update halfway through that season i was so jealous that you were doing the pac-12 update i would i would show up to the shows with like three pages of notes on the pac-12 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just in case i was like just in case tate doesn't talk about any of this i'm ready yeah. um I, get, I would get well, yeah that's uh I have some I have additional notes to throw in, and it's like thirty minutes of our show is on the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah. It's all gravy. Uh, but anyway, uh, since Ohio State lost, technically tied. Uh, if you ask my father how how he approaches games that go to overtime, but um, you know the Buckeyes lost, so I have to now uh, spend my Friday night in Los Angeles going to the uh, trendiest spot on earth, which is a Sierra Canyon high school basketball game, um, and provide an update. <laughs> on 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 Bronny James, which like I actually, you know what? I'm gonna spin it to a positive. I'm gonna recruit. I'm gonna put on my Ohio State stuff. I'm going to be like the uh the Indiana fans at Romeo Langford games wearing the candy stripes and the uh, clapping for Romeo throughout his entire senior season saying, Come play for the Hoosiers, you're gonna be our savior. And then uh <laughs> he became Romeo a master. Had a, yeah. yeah, and then he had a yeah, then he had like a broken thumb the whole season and couldn't shoot and <laughs> nothing ever came of that's gonna be me with Bronny James. I'm gonna spin this into a positive. Uh, but I will be providing a report at some point. I gotta find the right game to go to um for, for maximum memeage, you know. Like I think that's the uh, that's what we gotta figure out. Like what's the funniest one for me to be at? What 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 game is the most likely that Kevin Hart shows up to, you know? I, I think I... we already missed it because it was the 20-year anniversary of Oak Hill and LeBron uh, playing on national TV. They had Jay Billis on the call. Malika Andrews was doing sideline reporting. Carmelo's kid, Kyan Anthony, was playing against uh, Bronny James. I mean, that was that was the ultimate, ultimate meme moment. But it also said to me that Sierra Canyon is probably the hottest ticket in L.A. right now. I mean, Lakers games, who cares? Clippers games, people don't even go anymore. And now everyone wants to go to a high school game. So I honestly... Yeah, that would be... It's gonna be, be something if get tickets because I want to go with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried. I, we might get two tickets, but they're not even close to each other. We're just sitting. And that I would be Drake's gonna be there. Drake will be there. That, that would be funny if I have to spend like 150 dollars on Chairs <laughs> ticket. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, oh, the other the other thing, the other note I was gonna say that I didn't bring up on the uh, tight. So I guess we're not moving on. Uh, Evan Turner tweeting, I love watching Caleb Love score. I, I, I meant to call him out for that. That was disgusting. There's no place for that. Um, but Evan Turner during the Ohio State North Carolina game did tweet that. And I just wanted to call it to everyone's attention that this man was celebrating North Carolina scoring on his alma mater. And uh, I don't know, Tate. It's there have been whispers around the program that it might be time to take his jersey down from the Raptors. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say I, I, I think we should, I'm not going to say I, I'm not even going to, you know what? I'm not even going to acknowledge that movement that exists that wants to take Evan Turner's number down from the Raptors. I won't even mention it on this show ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it is interesting that some people are saying it might be time to take Evan Turner's Jersey down from the Raptors. So, right. Anyway. And I will say this, uh, on behalf of North Carolina, Evan Turner 
We we will hang your jersey. No, stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'll uh, hang any jersey. But, uh, we respect uh, the way that you play the game, and you are a Wooden Award winner, so we have to tip our caps at UET. And uh, I like watching Caleb Love score too. So uh, we're actually <laughs> we're actually more alike than we are different. So there you go. Son of a bitch. Uh, let's talk about some of these other games that, that went on in, a, in an absolutely loaded weekend that everyone has moved past already. But also, like the the, the slate this week sucks, dude. So like honestly. There aren't a lot of great games in college basketball this week, so uh, you know maybe it makes sense to revisit some of these games that, that happened over the weekend that we were too preoccupied to uh, to watch live. Um, which one? Which one do you want to start with? I think we should start. To me, the most fascinating one was was the top five matchup. Obviously, Houston going to play a true road game against Virginia, and uh, I rewatched that game yesterday because you know we we did the show on Saturday night after the games. There's a little snafu with the with the server. Uh, so shout out to the friends of the program that were that were patient, and then the show came out a little late. So we said we're going to spend Monday rewatching these games and uh, grinding so tape. We're going to grind tape. tape, yeah, grinding tape. And I'm with my dad. My dad's grinding the tape with me. You know what I mean? And and it felt like you know I'm home. My dad used to be my coach back in the day. So we're watching Virginia play Houston, and uh, you know I'll just give you my one big takeaway, and then we can jump into that game. But one big takeaway is that Houston is the more athletic version of Virginia. I mean, yeah. they just do it better. It, yeah, it, they're they're uh, a different caliber. They're a different class right. than Virginia. Yeah, right. that's what that's what I took. Like, there's there's a reason Houston was favored in this game, um, going in, even though Houston is ranked fifth and Virginia's ranked second, and it's at Virginia. Uh, all those factors might lead you to believe that Virginia should be favored by Vegas. That was not the case. Houston is favored, and as it turned out, um, there right. was a reason why, and the reason why is because Houston is better than Virginia. I mean, they they just yeah, they're and, and and I get that Virginia fans might point to Reese Beekman. Um, you know, it's not a hundred percent that's going to be, but, it, but I honestly, I feel like if, if he's going to continue to play and it's a hamstring injury, um, I, th- this is just who he is and it sucks. And I, and I like, you know, the, the, the part of me that has compassion and says like, I get it. This, this is not who, this is not indicative of like who this man can be as a player. He's not a hundred percent, all that sort of thing. But the, the, uh, just soulless part of me to take that like has to evaluate these teams and try to figure out who's going to be better than who in March and all that sort of thing. This, I think this is just going to be who Virginia is going to be. I don't think they're ever going to get 100% Reese Beekman if he continues to play on a on a hamstring. Like the, the, the hamstrings don't heal on their own. You don't you don't play through a hamstring injury and like it magically heals itself. It just continues to be like a nagging, lingering, you know, thing that you don't get unless you unless you sit out for a long period of time. You know, so right. in that regard, like yes, Reese Beekman is not 100%, but at the same time. I don't think he's ever going to be 100% this year if he continues to play. So I think what we saw from Virginia is who this Virginia team is, which is a very, very, very good team, but not an upper echelon, uh, you know, not not a team that's on Houston's level. I still think Virginia is good enough to win a national championship, but they're not. They're, they're, they're not a favorite, I should say. You know, like I don't think right. they're, they should be one of the favorites now. Well, it would make sense if Houston did not lose to Alabama that this would have been one versus two because then you could convince yourself, well, Houston is the one team that is better than Virginia. And yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. maybe you talk yourself into that idea as a Virginia fan, but you're right. I mean, Reese Beekman is, I think, the MVP or most important, MIP or MVP of this team. He's either most important or most valuable, whatever you want to quantify it as. But at the same time, when he is playing well, when he is healthy, they are a different team. They can take it to that next level. But like you're saying, I don't know if he'll ever be that this season. So instead of living in that pipe dream that that's going to be the case, 
Let's get guys like Vanderplas to step up. Let's, you know, and Shedrick might be the number one guy on this team. And let, let's get him to that next level because with Reese, it's great to have him on the court for 34 minutes like he was in this game, but he's not going to be that ACC player of the year level player if he's still going to be dealing with this injury all year. Yeah. I think it's time for Tony to, to pull a Tom Izzo and just put shut Reese him down. Up, just shut him down. Just shut him right. down until like, late January or something and bring right. it back and, and, you know, see the bigger picture here and don't, what do you, what do you need another ACC trophy for? You've won a million of these, you know, we're not trying to win one of those. We're trying to, we're, we're at, the, at this point, the standard of Virginia's national championships. That's what you got to tell yourself. You gotta be like, we're not trying to win freaking eight. As it turns out, like Mr. K did a great job of, of gaslighting everybody into believing that ACC regular season trophies don't matter until this final season. Then he won one. Then every, all the Duke fans were like, never mind, They do matter. Don't do say matter. that. Don't say that we didn't win anything last the year. Tournament. The tournament yeah. doesn't matter now. You're like, wait, what? Don't you dare say that Mr. K didn't win anything his final season at Duke. Yes, he did. He won an ACC regular season. And then I turn and look and I say, aren't you the same people that said all since 2010 that none of these regular seasons matter? And they said, yes, we are. But this one matters. <laughs> um, but yeah, Virginia needs to take that approach. They need they need to steal that and just and, and shut down Beekman, I think. And just just figure out, like, get him back healthy. And, and then, like, as you said, like, figure out who that guy and, and Sh- like there, there are a lot of options like armand franklin's capable right that's what that's what we like about this team is that if they can continue to play tony bennett defense um with the tools they have this year their offense should be good enough to like pair it together you got a hell of a team but on this night tate virginia was not up to snuff against houston who i'm gonna say it this is controversial but it shouldn't be i think houston's the second best team in the country still i'm sorry to say purdue fans like i I, uh, I'll put it this way. Like there's something that there's something interesting happening with the, with the AP poll, because we we talked about it last week where, uh, it feels like most people agree that UConn is the best team. Maybe I'm just, maybe that's not true. I don't know, but that's how it feels. That's my perception. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, you know, maybe I'm only seeing the people that are believing in UConn and there's like confirmation bias situation. If you watched all the games that have happened this year though, it's hard to really come away with any other thing than UConn's on a different level than everybody else. They blow out everybody. They blow out everybody. And and still, I, I'll be watching just random games, and I hear commentators say how there's there's no dominant team. I, I mean, I was watching Arizona-Tennessee game, and Jimmy Dykes was like, you know, in college basketball this year, we don't have, like, uh, you know, that one or two dominant teams. And I was like, UConn, UConn, uh, no one's no. got within 15 points of UConn. So, like, maybe we wait until, you know, someone at least, like, actually gives UConn a good game before we – you know, and I know that UConn hasn't played that tough of a schedule, but at the same time, they beat the brakes off Bama. Um, they they're they're destroying everybody. So like until until like UConn gets pushed to overtime by Nebraska or uh you know struggles against the day not, not struggles but like has like a tight one down the stretch against it. And I guess you know if you're a Purdue fan, you're like, wait a second, they were only up by four with eight minutes left against Butler, and you know so all, all these are valid things. But UConn is blowing everybody out. I think UConn's the number one team, and uh. And, and the point is, is like there's there's a very clear difference from how people vote in the AP poll and how people like genuinely, if you put true serum in them and ask them like, what are the best teams right this second? Never mind like what we've who's earned what and like who beat who in early November and like you know all that kind of shit. Like as it stands right now, what teams are you terrified of? UConn is number one, and take Houston is number two. And I don't think I think like Houston, I, I think those are the top two. I think like. There's not a huge gap between Houston and Purdue, but like Purdue is, is I don't I don't want to say 
floundering. They're not, but at the same time, like Purdue, Purdue fans know what it is. You know what I mean? Like Purdue fans are like, we we're, we're the Purdue fans aren't beating the chest because they know like kind of the makeup of the team and they haven't really been, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think Purdue, Purdue has been fully tested to the, the uh, you, I don't know. I, I, I just, th- there are a lot of doubts about Purdue where it's like, is it just that like Zach Eady is, is he the reason that they're so good? Like what happens if, if, like, like if you kind of Purdue play, dude, I, I think UConn wins rather easily from what I've seen so far, but yeah, I don't know. And, and I like that they have Klingon off the bench. Uh, when I just think about that matchup in general, because I think that, you know, you got two, you know, seven foot guys in Sonogo and Klingon that, that come in and, and gives ED problem gets, gets, gets him in foul trouble. So, uh, just talking about Houston though, Houston has the best scoring defense in the country. I mean, they're giving up 50 points per game. Um, and they do it in such a clinical fashion and they're so connected as a group and we haven't really even seen some of their scoring, you know, prowess because guys like Sasser and them, I mean, they've had good games, but they can really go off. Like Sasser can have a, a big time game and a big time moment. And then you add that on top of their defense. And my God, they're, they're a major problem. You could even argue that Houston is the number one team. And I'm not going to really argue against you, even though I personally think UConn is. No, the I don't. Team. I mean, dude, they're, they're still the, the, the favorites to win the national championship. And, mm-hmm. and, Again, there's a reason why, and and I know they lost to Bama at home, um, but uh, you know, and it, it, that's why there's that, that's why it's fascinating that there's two separate conversations. Because if you were if you were trying to say like who deserves the number one overall seed if the NCAA tournament started tomorrow, you can't reasonably argue Houston. You can't like if you brought up Houston as the overall number one seed, you get kicked out of the room immediately and say like, please, serious committee members only, get that out of here. They're not they cannot be the number one overall seed based on what we've seen. Um, but at the same time, if you're talking about like who we actually think could win the the, the national championship, how is if, if you say Houston is is your pick still? I mean, because the, the one game they lost was Bama. Again, you like start providing context to it. Sasser has a mask on or the eyeglasses that were we talked about that. Like he has to take them off to shoot free throws. And like I'm watching the game thinking, like, all right, if you're better off without them on when you're if, if you want them off when you're shooting free throws, and what ho- how hope do you have shooting during, in, shooting yeah, during the actual, actual flow of the day? Yeah. Uh Traymond Mark fouls out with however many minutes left, which, you know, again, is not, um, is a, is a self-inflicted wound, so to speak. And that like, you know, maybe they could have managed that better and whatever, but, uh, you know, that, 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 that's that to me. And then on top of it, they were beating the hell out of Bama with, you know, they're up like 15 or whatever. And they let their foot off the gas. I'm not saying that game doesn't count. I'm not saying, I'm just saying like, you have to provide context to this stuff when you're trying to figure out what's going to happen the rest of the season. And, um, that that looking back on that Bama game, it was not a red flag whatsoever about Houston. Like my my confidence in Houston moving forward has not wavered a little bit. Um, so I don't know, man. Like I I I was watching Houston Virginia, and I was like, it's going to be controversial to say it because everyone's arguing like Purdue and UConn. I I think Houston's the second best team right now. I think like UConn terrifies me the most, and Houston second. And then I would probably put Purdue at third. Okay. I, I mean, I think I'm there with you. I think I'm there with you. And I think UConn's 1A. I think Houston's 1B for me. So uh, that'll be my tiers. There's not even a number two. And then I think uh, Purdue is three. Purdue's 1C. Yeah, no, <laughs> Purdue's three. Uh, they just jumped down. It's like uh, a tie for first, and then they start at third. I, uh, I also think Purdue doesn't want to be number one other than having the Big Ten stat of the year, which was I think they were the first team I saw to be ranked number one in, back to, in consecutive seasons in the Big Ten since Indiana did it back in 75-76. So um, shout out to Purdue. I love that stat. Um, they have been number one longer than uh, Neil Armstrong was on the moon this year, so that's a yep. that's another big win uh, for the Boilermakers. So I'm happy for them. I want I want Purdue to be number one because they are uh, 
they're, they're, they're going to lose at Ohio State on January 5th. That's going to be great for us. So <laughs> That's going to be yeah. great for Carolina, too. So I think yeah, I'm right. it's great for everybody. Yeah, so I, I, want, I want that to happen as well. All eyes, I'm taking you know, Mike Rutherford's thing. All, all eyes, eyes on, eyes on January, January 5th. <laughs> Keep Purdue at number one. All eyes on January 5th. Uh, I do, I do think Purdue is uh, is deserving of number one in the sense of uh, you know the the resume and all that kind of thing. And I do. It's not to say that I don't um, I don't believe in Purdue long term, but uh, there are some cracks to Purdue. You know, like there there are very obviously some cracks to Purdue, and uh, they they no Purdue fan is saying like we have a perfect team or whatever. Like if you're a Houston or UConn fan though, you you I. I I don't know. That, that's I I don't know how else to say it, man. Like I just like if if the tournament started tomorrow, I I would feel so much stronger about Houston and UConn, and I I I don't think it's a coincidence that Vegas feels the same way. You know, like yeah. there's, there's there's a reason that these these odds are what they are, and it's because those are those are two very complete teams. And as you said, Houston for some part of the season, Houston was like mucking it. I I remember talking about how Houston's mucking it up too much, and and the Kent State game is a great example that they won by it was like forty nine forty four as the final score. Um, we want to see offense out of Houston. We're not worried about the defense. We're not worried about the toughness. We're not worried about the rebounding. We're worried about putting the ball in the basket. And when Sasser's rolling and Walker, dude, Walker was awesome. The freshman kid against uh, Virginia, he was hitting everything, hitting jump shots left and right. Um, Roberts is when he gets physical and he's like actually a force down low. Yeah, and, I think and he's, to I think he might be their most important player. I mean, Roberts has had a great season and he doesn't yeah. get talked about as much as he should with this group. So I Sasser is not the, like I said, there, there were moments earlier this season where it felt like uh, Houston was trending towards being like a Mick Cronin Cincinnati team where Sean Kilpatrick runs the offense. And then all the other guys just like play physical tough defense. And, yeah. you know, and I was like, is this, is this what this Houston team's going to be? This is not what this Houston team's going to be. Uh, uh, Sasser at times, if you didn't know Sasser was the best player on Houston, you wouldn't know he was the best player, you know, like when you're watching him, he's, he's, they're so balanced. And so I don't know, man, I, I, I can't help how I feel. And, and when I watch Houston, I'm like, this team is very clearly one of the top two teams in the country. I don't know how else to say like, these are, these are one, they might be the best, as you said, I might, but I'm just scared. Like, honestly, between you and I off air, I might say Houston's the best team. I'm just scared to say that. I'm scared of UConn fans. I'll admit it. I'm scared to say that and have and feel the wrath of UConn fans if I said Houston's still the best team in the country. And I don't blame UConn fans for being feeling that way because they are the most dominant team in the country, so you have to give them that credit. But at the end of the day, I think whoever Houston is playing, you're going to have to play Houston's game. And, you know, you talked about that with Indiana going into games. They let other teams dictate the game that they're going to play mm -hmm. and they react to it. Houston goes into a game and they say, this is how we're going to play. So even a team like Arizona, I think is fascinating to go up against Houston because of the pace that they play with the, the fact that two Bellas can run the floor, the fact that they can play inside out. But at the same time, I know that Houston is going to dictate the terms of that game. Yes. I'm not sure if Arizona is going to look good in a half court game where they get limited possessions and Kirk Creasa can't jack up shots because that actually wastes possessions that they valuably need late in the game. You know what I mean? So I think at, well, at we literally game, saw it in the NCAA tournament last year right. when, when Houston just, I mean, it was not a, like Houston just kept Arizona at arm's length. The, the Arizona was the best team in the country all year, or at least mm -hmm. that's what we thought. Um, and Houston just stiff arms and keep, kept them at arm's length the entire game. And, yeah. and as you said, it was on their terms at all times. And you're absolutely right. That's the thing is that every single Houston, if you're going to beat Houston, you're going to have to beat Houston playing Houston style of basketball. Right. Um, 
And I don't think they're going to have that mind lapse that they had against Alabama in the tournament. I really don't. And I think that they they got a little, you know, they just got a little tight at home. And that was the first time they had been playing as the number one team at home in front of their home crowd. They got up by 15. I think that they were coasting to the finish line. And if there's anything we learned about this Alabama team, there's no quitting them. They, they, they continue yeah. to think they can win games. Um, uh, we saw the grit, the fact that they took Carolina. Again, it wasn't a loss. It was a draw, according to Coach Titus. So mm-hmm. they draw against North Carolina. They go to four overtimes. They had every chance to quit in that game. They get down seven in the third overtime. They just keep scrapping back. So their one loss is against a team that really just doesn't go away. And it is too young to and too dumb to, to, to not know they're supposed yeah. to lose. You know what I mean? Which is awesome. That's why I like this Alabama team so much. And, you're, and if you're, you're all... UConn, you're- if you're UConn, you're saying head to head, we crushed Alabama and they beat these guys. So that's why yeah. we're, you know, if we're going to do that that kind of argument, we are obviously number one. So that's no, why that's what, that, UConn's but, not number one. But that's what's fascinating is that um, the, it, you it, it, you have to first like define the terms of the argument you're having in the first place before you then have the argument. You know, because right. there's, uh, like I said, like no rational mind could say that Houston deserves a, a the, the number one overall seed right now. But um, at the same time, I don't think. I, I I think it'd be more crazy to say that like right this second Purdue's playing better basketball in Houston or or you you know so it's just like it, it, I, you could argue hell you could argue like UCLA's playing better basketball than Purdue right now or Arizona you know like is Purdue even a top like right this second I'm saying yeah you know? but at the same time Purdue is deserving of the number one overall seed and I, and I don't know man it's just it's 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 very fascinating and that's uh that's the fun of non conference because then like the the cream starts rising to the top when you get conference play and you get uh. When when all these teams have to start playing teams that that scout them really well and know them inside and out, and um, they're playing on the road against fan bases that hate their guts and uh, all that kind of stuff, it, that's it, it, it'll it'll become very very interesting. But um, one takeaway from watching Houston beat up on Virginia, shout out to the American Athletic Conference tape because uh, Houston is very good. I, I think that uh, Houston and UConn are the top two teams. As I said, UConn used to be an American team, as we know. Um, and then I think UCLA's in the mix, and to have Mick Cronin, former uh, head coach of the American Athletic Conference Cincinnati Bearcats, it's like, man, is this uh, is this 2014 all over again with with three? <laughs> I'm seeing I'm seeing the old school American Athletic Conference faces just popping up, and I'm saying I, I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, so it's good for the American brand as conference realignment is ravishing uh, college sports. In Shout general. out to Memphis too. Memphis, is, yeah, Memphis, Memphis has a good team. So yeah, um, incredibly knows what he's doing. There you go. Should we talk about Bama and uh, Gonzaga a little bit? I think um, so. Gonzaga is a team that uh, I I still don't love. They 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 beat Bama by ten uh, in a true road game that wasn't on Alabama's campus or even in Alabama City, but will be counted as a true road game nonetheless because that's how this stuff works. Um, <laughs> Alabama's hilarious. I can't I, – I, I, I don't think I can bring myself to trust Alabama, but I will say they are an absolute joy to watch. I, I love watching this Bama team, but uh, I, I, they, they've officially – I'm putting them right next to Illinois of teams that I, I know can beat anybody on any given night. Unbelievable level of talent. But I would have to be outside of my mind to trust them to win more than a couple games in a row in March. That's, that's where I've arrived with Alabama. Unless something drastically changes uh, – I, I know that I'm terrified of Alabama because I'm going to be so wrong on them and when March Madness rolls around that like no matter what I decide to do with them in my bracket, I'm gonna be wrong. Cause they just they just turn the ball over way too like it's it's right. like it's not even it's not like like the the way 
the way I feel like commentators downplay Alabama's turnover issues is like they're a perfect team and they have this one like very slight weakness. And I'm screaming at my TV like this is not even kind of a slight. Like they are, I, I I looked it up the other day. I think they're it's like Louisville, Seton Hall, and then Alabama are the top three power conference teams in turnovers and and how much they turn it. And Louisville is Louisville, as we know. Um, Seton Hall is not a good basketball team. And and Alabama is a team that we're supposed to consider to be national title good. And they turn the it's not that they kind of turn it over a little too much, Tate. They throw the ball all, all over the gym. They hand possessions to the other team left and right. And uh this is this has been a consistent problem the entire season. And I can't get past that. And that's like what this Gonzaga game was to me is like, you guys, you guys are more talented. It's obvious you guys are more talented than Gonzaga. Right. When you give them 20 extra possessions. <laughs> Like of course you're not gonna win. Be twenty one turnovers, eleven assists, right? That that's what happens. It's crazy. Game. That, I mean, that is just like there's no way that you ever win in that type of situation. No matter how amazing you know Brandon Miller is when he puts up thirty six points and everyone's ooing and eyeing. And then you know the reaction after this game, it felt like most people were saying Alabama was a one man show and Gonzaga had Drew Timmy and he had help of his you know the supporting cast. And the other guys on Gonzaga made this game happen. But in reality, Alabama threw this game away, quite literally, throwing the ball all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, th- that it, they kind of remind me of the Texas team like that Kevin Durant had in 2007. It, it feels like a team that has a lot of talent. You talk yourself into Brandon Miller. You're saying this guy can Carmelo Anthony a team to a championship. But at the end of the day, they're just a little too green. You know, they're just a little yeah. too... They were a little too, um, you know, hesitant to to actually play real basketball. They're playing a little bit of an AAU game, and Nate Oates wants to just get as many possessions as possible. So he he's basically running like a high octane offense where he's like, "Who cares, baby? Every time we throw it away and we get a steal, you know, we're we're just trying to get as many possessions as possible, try to score as much as we can." Gonzaga also wants to run and play that way. They just have more of a veteran group that knows how to, you know, possess the ball and play the play a, a, a common sense game. And uh, I don't know that this Alabama team is awesome to watch, but it's also got to be frustrating at times because you're like, if we just settled down a little bit yeah. and had like a true guard to kind of just get us in the well, right places and, and and figure it out for us, we'd be a really really dangerous team. Well, that's what's crazy is they got uh, Quinterly and Sears. They got two dudes that are that are older. Yeah, that, Quinterly, that I don't think. really I don't really believe in Quinterly to be that. I don't guy. understand how Quinterly isn't the guy like for, for for what they need like in this regard. Like like if I'm NATO, it's like pull Quinterly aside. I say, listen, your role on this team is one thing and one thing only, and it's do not turn the ball over. We, right. we when when you come in the game off the bench. Um, and, and all of our guys are rolling and, and, you know, Clowney and, and Sears is awesome. Sears brings a lot of offense to them. He's a ton of fun. Um, yeah. Clowney and, and Miller and, are the two guys, but Brandon there. Miller, you know, like all the, like when they're rolling, mm-hmm. uh, but they're throwing the ball all over the place. I want you to come in, take a deep breath, calm everybody down and take care of the basketball. And that does not, that simply does not happen. They, they don't have a single person on that team that I trust with the ball in his hands, uh, to not turn it over. And. Yeah, I mean, on on the one hand, it, it you know I feel like I'm I'm 70 years old watching basketball and complaining about about these damn kids not valuing possession and all that sort of thing. But at the same time, like that's there's a reason that's kind of a cliche thing to complain about because you're you're it, like I said, it's not like a one off thing. It's not like a every so often every every fourth game they turn it over like crazy. It's literally every single game they're throwing the every every game I've watched about Alabama they throw the ball all over the place. They're dribbling off their foot. They're uh, they, they they get charges taken on them, um, but then there's those moments of brilliance where Brandon Miller is like, you know, he, he's playing like a number one overall pick in any other draft than, than this year. Um, 
And and that was the case against Gonzaga. And, and he was awesome. And yeah, like the narrative for, for Bama coming out was like Brandon Miller didn't have any help in this game. But also, like, I don't know, there were there were at least two possessions that I remember where he Gonzaga scores, they inbound the ball to Brandon Miller, and he dribbles like 15 times with zero passes and puts a shot up. And I think he scored on both of them, which is really <laughs> good. That's yeah. the goal. You're trying to score, but also like towards the end of the game, Gonzaga starts doubling him. Uh, th- there was one ball screen that comes off. They just straight up double him and trap him, and he has to get rid of the ball. And um, I forget who was calling the game, but they're like, man, if 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 Miller could just get some help, he'd be. I was like, well, these guys have been standing there for right for twenty the last twenty minutes. They've just been standing there with ice cold legs. Like now, all of a sudden, they have to you know make plays. And um, I don't know. It's I I, I hate the way they approach the game in that regard. Uh, I I said it when they uh, it might have been the it was the Houston game where I said I I love this Bama team, but they they don't play basketball. Like they don't. That, that's that's kind of like encouraging i guess if you're a bama fan you're like man if our guys could just figure out how to like actually set screens and actually move the ball around a little bit and actually right. i don't think they play great defense by the way i don't think no, like they're just long i mean they're just they're... long as hell yeah they, they don't they don't they don't actually know what they're doing defensively either they just they're so athletic and so gifted naturally that they can block a ton of shots and and deflect passes and all that sort of thing so i'm sure the the Ken Palm stats say they're great defensively or, you know, whatever, whatever stats you want to look at or probably say Alabama has one of the best defenses. The eye tests, I, me personally, yeah. I watch them. I'm like, these guys don't even know what they're doing defensively. They don't know what they're doing offensively. They're just so freaking good that they can win games. Um, So I, I, Alabama is so fun to watch, like I said, but man, I, I, I don't think, I don't think I'll ever be able to trust them unless something yeah, I, I I don't think I'll ever get there with this. Group. I <laughs> well, don't think I can. I don't think there's yeah. enough time in the season. <laughs> right. And I mean, to give up 100 points, you you have a problem somewhere defensively. So, I mean, the, even though you're obviously they're trying to get as many possessions as possible, still you're giving up 100 points. And on the flip side, I did think it was a very encouraging game for Gonzaga. I mean, there's been two games this year, obviously, where Gonzaga, or maybe three games, I should say, that Gonzaga has gotten my attention. Michigan State, but that was on an aircraft carrier. But I was impressed that Drew Timmy kind of handled things and got a nice win there. Obviously when Kentucky they play the the road game that's a neutral game at, at the you know the Spokane Center or whatever that Gonzaga had my attention then. And then in this game they they play well, they compete. They're down early in this game. You and I were looking, we're like, "Oh wow, Alabama jumps out to you know to a pretty big start." But then uh, of course they they kind of squander it and Gonzaga goes on a big run. I think Drew Timmy's still in the conversation as one of the top players in the country, obviously. I mean, he he is playing great basketball. I think they're going to be a Sweet 16 type team. You know, I think that's where Gonzaga yeah. is here. I think that's that's probably where their ceiling is. They're not the you know they were preseason number two. I don't think they're a Final Four team. And uh, you know, I would love to be proven wrong about that because I I think you know Mark Few needs a, a nice run with this group. But at the same time, this game didn't change my opinion of Gonzaga. You know, it just it just proved that they can win in an up and down game like this against an athletic group, which is good to see. Um, but at the same time, I still feel we're talking Sweet Sixteen. You know, yeah, Gonzaga. I mean, my takeaway: Gonzaga feels kind of like a, a a pretty good Wisconsin team where they. Uh, wow, that is going to hurt. Yeah, they 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 have an obvious ceiling. They they have a like Timmy is is great. I I do really like Timmy. Um, I I always have. I just don't think that he's the best player in the country or anywhere close to it, honestly. Um, and, 29 and 10 in this game against Alabama. 29, 10 and four. And I still, uh, I, I, I've reached a point Tate, where I'm not going to be fooled by big men putting up big stats anymore. Like I just, I, you know, it, it's, that doesn't, 
that doesn't do it for me. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, the Gonzaga story is their guards. It will be their guards all year. Uh, Hickman was great uh, in this game, and I and I think that that like you said, they can they Watson. can make it three sixteen. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like a it feels like a a, a a type of Wisconsin team that's like not going to beat themselves. Um, they're they they are solid in a lot of ways. But uh, there's an obvious talent ceiling to this team, and they're they're I I I just can't take them seriously as a national title threat because I don't think their guards are going to be good enough when it matters most, and I don't think Timmy's good enough to carry like like Timmy's going to do this every night. Um, which yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I'm going crazy watching these big guys in college basketball. By the way, because I was watching even even Baycott versus Ohio State, and I know that you'll agree with me because I know every North Carolina fan like that was a big discussion point is how Baycott was soft in the first half and Baycott's not that good and Baycott's been driving you guys crazy all year. And then you look at his stats and he's like putting up monster numbers. Same thing with Trace Jackson Davis at IU. Same thing with Hunter Dickinson at Michigan. So, like all these all these big dudes that are putting up monster numbers. I need more than that. I need same with Sheboy at Kentucky, dude. Sheboy is still his production is still incredible. Um, it means nothing, and as it turns out, like it's it's like all like it, it's it's ultimately like empty calories if you can't do it within the flow of what this game needs to be. And like if if there aren't guys that are feeding off of your production, and and if you're if you dominating the game isn't even open up isn't opening up things for other guys to be great, then like it's ultimately pointless, you know. And it's just you right. stuff stuffing your own stat sheet. Um, it's very and so NBA I think in this particular I, I, I do respect that. Yeah. Like, they obviously are trying to go to the league. So I mean tip of the cap. If in this particular game, I think Timmy that that was helpful. I think Timmy was uh I, I you know the guards were um were were great. And I but I but I also think a lot of it was like Alabama just doesn't want to play defense. They don't there was there was one of those possessions that uh I, I should I should have videotaped it and put it out. There there was a stretch where uh Brandon Miller, I think he scores. Then on defense, he loses his guy, gives up a three. Um, just he's like playing help side, just completely turns his head, has no idea where his 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 man is. They swing the pass, he he shoots a wide open three as Miller's trying to close out late. Um, and he kind of contested because he's so long and athletic that he can get a hand up, uh, gets sprayed on a three, then catches the ball out of bounds as the point guard because he's taking over point guard duties because he's red hot. Uh Makes zero passes on the next possession and scores, and I'm like, this is this is this is the epitome of Alabama basketball right now. What I just saw is this guy like being lost on defense, still sort of challenging, but then the the, the shot goes in. And he's like, that's right, I'll make up for it on the other end. I don't know. Um, so I thought I thought Gonzaga was was good. Uh, I I thought like they took advantage of like a, the, the they were an experienced team playing against a very young team, and and uh, it showed. But at the same time, I think there's still like an obvious ceiling to how good Gonzaga can be. Right. And uh, I came away from this game saying, like, I came away from this game wanting to talk more about Alabama and how up and down they are versus like, oh, shit, dude, maybe I was wrong about Gonzaga. They look freaking awesome because I don't I don't think I think Gonzaga is still exactly who I thought they were, which is like a, as you said, a sweet 16 team, a which is you not know? that's not a knock. That's a really good team. I just don't know if they have anything, you know, outside of that. And I would love, like I said, to be proven wrong. I also think Timmy might be the best guard on Gonzaga. And that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean, yeah. like, I mean, I know how dumb that sounds, but like when Timmy gets the rebound and brings the ball up, I'm like, I kind of trust the ball in his hands more than anybody else at this point. So uh, that's the other thing that's worrisome because what do we know in March? It's guard playing defense, and uh, you know, I'm not sure they have that this year. Yeah. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor. Can we talk about Arizona Tennessee? <laughs> yes. Which was, which was probably the best. Speaking game, of guard honestly. play, yeah. Speaking yeah. Speaking of guard play, um. So let's start with the refs. 
because okay. uh, Tennessee fans were not happy with the refs. Um, you remember this date. Last year when Arizona played Tennessee, it was one of the most egregiously officiated games I've ever seen in my life. Um, we talked about it, yeah. Arizona had 23 starter fouls. 23, Tate. They had three foul, three starters foul out, and the other two had four fouls. Um, it was, it was, there were just so many, like, I, 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 I'll never forget that game because Kirk Carissa starts the game with like six straight turnovers. <laughs> and then on top of, and then Arizona starts making a comeback. And, uh, it was just call after call after call after call. Um, they were horrendous. Uh, and, and it just stuck with me. And I remember we did the show and I was like, you know, Tennessee's a great team. Uh, but at the same time, like, I'm not worried about Arizona. Cause that was, boy, that was something what I just witnessed. Tennessee fans, Tate, after the the rematch now in Tucson, Tennessee fans are saying the same thing. They're saying the 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 whistle in Tucson was unfair. Um, this was the this was obviously payback for for what happened in Knoxville. What say you, Tate? As a I fan said who watched the game. I said to you that uh, Tommy Lloyd. I hope that he went to that you know officiating crew after the game last year and said you owe me one. And I hope that he hired that same crew. I didn't look that up, but in my mind he did. He brought in the exact same crew from last year. And said, do what you did in Knoxville, but just do it in Tucson. And that's how the game felt. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, Arizona takes 27 free throws. Tennessee takes 10. You yeah. look at the loud, you know, d- discrepancy at the end of the game. It's 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 a lot. Um, and if you're a Tennessee fan, you have every right to be complaining and saying that was the difference in the game. Because, I mean, Ziegler was amazing in this game. We could talk about Zakai oh. Ziegler. But, I mean, he he's one of my favorite guards in the country. And this was a, a nice little breakout performance from him. But, in general... If you're a Tennessee fan, you say, if we get a fair whistle in this game, we probably come away with a W, which is totally fair because guess what? If you're an Arizona fan, you say, well, if we got a fair whistle in Knoxville, right. we come away with a W. So it felt very even, right? It was a it was a payback game. It was a kind of, you know, you did this, now we do this. We're, we're all square. And then after the game, there was a little bit of a scuffle. Uh, yeah. there, there, was, there was heated moments. And, uh, you know, I think right now we need a rubber match because, and and maybe we do it at a neutral site because we now know if we play a true road game that the uh, the officials are going to give home calls, and uh, that's what college basketball is about. We all know how that is going into a game, but when it's right in your face like it was a little bit, you know, especially last year in Knoxville, and then you know in Tucson this year, uh, you just got to tip your cap and say congrats on the home game. I uh uh. I, I do I do think there were the, the, the most egregious stuff was towards the end of the game. Uh the um Vescovy drive, I think was on Tubellas. Uh and and I think it was like a four point game at that point, and like a minute left, and Vescovy doesn't get the call. And then I think Tyreek Key goes after the ball and their bodies flying all over the place. It's absolutely and rocked. And they, John Higgins is just shrugging, like I <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is like almost worse. Like if you if you see a ref put his hands up, that's like almost worse than him not putting it because like Higgins is trying to say, like, I didn't see anything there. Like that's not a that's not a foul. But I would almost rather you not do that so then I can tell myself that you just completely didn't, just didn't see it. it. You just didn't yeah. see it. But when the ref puts his hands up, he's like, oh, I saw it. But that's not a foul. And you're like, you you fucking saw that and still didn't blow his off? I just got, I just got tackled. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, no, man, I, 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 went, I went back and rewatched. I watched this game twice. And I was trying to uh, um, see Tennessee fans' point of view. And there was definitely there was definitely a lot of ticky-tack bullshit in the second half. And I would I would have been losing my mind if I was a Tennessee fan. But I guess if you're like an error, the, the the biggest difference to me though is that Tennessee was shooting a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. Um, you're playing against an Arizona offense that is not physical. Arizona has or Arizona defense, I mean, that is not physical. Arizona has no interest in really playing defense. Most of the time, we've we've seen these guys play. They they are trying to. They're almost like 
wanting you to just shoot real quick so they can just go play. So they can get the ball again. back. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. They're like, we, we want no part of this. Uh, and Tennessee shoot, shot a lot of threes. And then meanwhile, like Tennessee plays super physical defense and, and Arizona plays inside out. So like on the one hand, like, yeah, the, the fouls were definitely not equal. Tennessee is a team that, uh, you know, as Jimmy Dykes kept pointing out, they shoot way more free throws than their opponents usually. And on this night they were not. Um, and so that, that can be a little jarring if you're a team that's used to getting to the line and now you're not, but the factors at play of like Arizona playing inside out against a very physical defense and then Tennessee shooting a ton of threes and not playing inside out. Like, I don't know, you know how many times Tennessee fed the post in this game. They, they barely did. Um, I, against a, against a team that doesn't want to play physical defense. And frankly, like if you drive on them, they'll just let you go half the time and, and score at the basket if you want. Um, I think that makes sense as to why the fouls were, were imbalanced. Now, what I will say is that Tennessee, like the frustrating part if you're a Tennessee fan is you're playing the same style of defense you played all year. Um, and all of a sudden they're calling this ticky tack bullshit. And, and that has to be frustrating. Cause you're like, this is the, the Tennessee takes the, the approach of they can't call them all, you know? And there are a lot of defensive uh, minded teams out there that do take that approach where they're like, we're just going to play physical. We're going to dare the rest to call them all. And on this night, Tate, I felt like the rest were calling them all. And Tennessee Rams were like, how are you? How, yeah. how, why are you doing this to us? Why are right. you doing this to us? And Tommy Lloyd was like, remember last year? That's why we're doing this to you. Yeah, he shook the ref's hands and said, thank you, guys. I, I knew that you could get it done, and they got it done but on this night. Plagic, uh, Plagic was the, uh, with the tech in the first half. I don't think he did himself any favors. I think no, like, cause that, I that mean, was Rick part Martin of the problem, too, is – yeah, Rick Barnes said after the game, he was like, I'm tired of his antics, which is like, uh, you know, the most coached thing yeah. you can say about it. But this is also a very Eastern European feel of a game, right? It felt yes. like this was a very international flair. There's a lot I, of flailing of arms. There's a lot of middle fingers being thrown. <laughs> you know? I saw Ballo flip off the cra- the, the right. Tennessee team. <laughs> he was walking back to the It's amazing. I mean, and then oh. Kirk Kreese is trying to fight. He's trying to get in their huddle. You know, I mean, there it was a very. It felt you were watching like Euro hoops. You know, so we needed. If you're, if you're an NBA fan, this was your type of game, right? This, yeah, we needed flares in the uh, in the crowd and, right. and uh, flags being like massive Kale oversized flags. Out. Yeah, just like people are waving flags of Molly. Um, yeah, but, but Plajic with the, uh, the first half tech, I, I don't think he did himself any favors for the rest of the game. In fact, I thought he was lucky to not get tossed in the first half in general. Cause that one right. call, uh, where he, he, he already had the tech and then he started screaming when, uh, um, <laughs> I would, I wouldn't have tossed him, but I'm just like, you're kind of yeah. bringing it upon yourself. Like you can't, you can't do that. And then also if you're Plajic be like, why am I getting treated unfairly when, <laughs> you know, you're, you're skating on thin ice to begin with, with these refs. Um, I don't know that there Prisa was flopping all over the place. Like he always does. Uh, he got a couple calls, but then other ones he didn't. And I, I don't know, man, like I didn't, I thought it was bad. I thought it was imbalanced, but I, I, I'm sorry to say Tennessee fans are going to be very pissed off to hear this. Uh, no, they're not. They're, they're a rational bunch. Tennessee fans are, are yeah, very, they're, they're, they're rational. Right. They're, they're level-headed. I don't <laughs> think it was as egregious as it was in Knoxville, but at the same time, um, I don't walk away from this game, uh, I, uh, you know, selling my Tennessee stock. If no, put it that way. Tennessee, Tennessee's yeah, yeah. Tennessee's awesome. I I love this Tennessee team. Yeah, when I was talking about the ceilings of the teams, and I was talking about Gonzaga as a Sweet Sixteen team, when you look at Tennessee, I still think Tennessee could win the national championship. And I know that people hear that and absolutely. Like, Rick Barnes is the coach, and they roll their eyes and they say, "Show me in March." But in reality, Tennessee is that good of a team, and they have that good of guard play that they could win the national championship. And uh, that is awesome, and I think both those teams that played in that game could win the national could win the national championship this year, Tennessee and Arizona. And if they play again in the tournament, 
it would be a great game because then the officials and the whistles and the home crowd and all that sort of stuff take it out. Let's see what they do uh, head to head. The the funniest part and the worst part about this game is that Arizona should have been riding high, but Kirk Creasa does Kirk Creasa things as he as he is prone to do and tries to get up in the face of uh, Vescovy after the game. Courtney Ramey's right there next to him. They're saying whatever. They're pushing and shoving. And then you go into the locker room and Tommy Lloyd's having to reprimand these guys and discipline them and tell them to stop doing that instead of saying what a great win against, you know, a top 10 team, you know, at home. And that to me is why I worry about Arizona because whenever things are going really well, I said this to you while we were watching, Kirk Reese is a lot like Reese Bobby uh, of Talladega Knights fame where, you know, R- Ricky Bobby's dad, uh, you know, played by Gary Neal. But every time things are going really, really well, he gets that little itch and he's like, I just got to, you know, I got to get out of here. Right? I got to self-sabotage. Or I gotta, yeah, I got to yeah. I got to do something. And uh, Kirk Reese is Reese Bobby of college basketball to me. Every time <laughs> things are going great. And and Arizona's trending up and it's perfect and you're like this team could really do it. Kirk Crease is like, watch this, <laughs> you know. He, and uh, and I don't think that's a good thing. I'm hoping that he grows out of that phase. But I swear to God, Titus, he cannot help himself. And uh, he did it again in this game. And that 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 took a little bit of luster away for me for for giving Arizona a big time win at home. So. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, here's another controversial opinion I have. Um, first controversial opinion: I think Houston's the second best team behind UConn. Second controversial opinion, Tate. I don't think Ari- I, I think Arizona is um, one of the five best teams in college basketball. I don't think Arizona can win a national championship. I don't think they can. I don't, because of I, the guard play. Because of the guard play. Mm. And it pains me to say it because I absolutely love this team. And, uh, you know, we, we, we left Maui saying, like, this is this, the, this, the best team in the country. And I still feel like they can't be. I, 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 I do love this team, and they're they're so fun to watch. And Tubelis, we'll talk about it here in a second. Very much in the hunt for Wooden Award, um, but I, 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 I can't trust Kirk Risa. I can't, and I, I love the guy. I love watching. For some reason, like he's 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 a total shithead, and 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 the type of player that uh, uh, you should hate, and I do hate him in a lot of ways. But I hate him so much that I love him. You know, like it's like yeah. so. It's, I think he, I love it's him. yeah, he's he's <laughs> such a he's such an absolute goofball about I think that's what it is. Like he flops and then he like smiles and winks at the camera and like hams it up and you're like, You're such a piece of shit, dude. But at the same time, <laughs> how can I be damn, mad at you? <laughs> damn it, I respect it. Yeah. God damn it, I respect you know. Um <laughs> that's how I feel watching him. Uh I I, I generally want to cheer for Kirk Risa, but as you said, man, like the guy it, th- there's some sort of tick at this point. We have enough data on this man that like he can't he 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 has an inability, he has an inability to just step on your throat. Like he just can't do it. If if, if things are going too well, this man will find a way when he's not even in the game, Tate. He's on the bench and he still finds a way. Arizona's up 10. Ramey hits a big shot. Like it's Tennessee's not going to quit. Tennessee doesn't quit, but like that was the moment in the game where uh, if Tennessee starts to pack it in or Tennessee starts to get a little desperate or whatever, you know, like that was, that was the moment was Ramey hits the shot to go up 10. The place is going bonkers. Uh, maybe Tennessee gets a little rattled and starts playing, starts to unravel a little bit. Um, but we, we don't, we, it's always going to be a what if we'll never know because Kirk Carissa, it's like, watch this. I'm going to hand them two free points. I'm going to walk out onto the court. I'm going to walk out on the court celebrating and talking. And then and then pretend like, like what, me? Me? Like, you're calling that on me? How did I, you know? And he does this all the time. He flops all the time. And then, like, when he doesn't get the call, is incredulous as to how he couldn't possibly have gotten that call. He throws the most, the, the stupidest passes 
you've ever seen when when Arizona like all you need to do is just like make the smart plays and put this team away yeah. like you, you have up the 13 other... points with three minutes yes. left Kirk Crease is like let me throw a behind the back alley yes. you know and you're like what are you talking when it's what the time for the exact opposite it's like if you just make like a simple play right here they're done they're on the brink all you have to do is just right. take one finger and push them over the edge and that team yeah. is done and you guys win and instead Kerr's like watch this and I'm like I don't want to watch this Kerr stop it stop it yeah. um I don't know, man. I, I can't I, – I, I pulled this stat for you. Carissa, uh, Ramey, and Larson, the, the starting one, two, three men for, for Arizona, are averaging 6.8 turnovers per game take. And I know Arizona plays at a faster pace. I know that they get more possessions, more opportunities to turn the ball over, all that sort of thing. But just, just for comparison's sake, Purdue's starting one through three are averaging 3.7 turnovers a game. Uh, UConn starting one through three is averaging five turnovers a game, which is feels like a – you know a Purdue's taking care of the ball, but uh, Houston's averaging 4.4. Gonzaga's 5.2. Gonzaga plays fast. They're starting, and we don't even love their guards, Tate. And Gonzaga's starting one, one, two, and three men are averaging 5.2 turnovers, like almost two fewer turnovers a game than than Arizona's are. Um, and on top of that, like Arizona's guys, like it'd be one thing if they were averaging these turnovers, but say like one of these guards was, if Kirk Carissa was, you know, um, Scoot Henderson level of talent or, or Jay Nivey. Jay Nivey is a good example. Jay or Benedict Matherin, you know, like, like a, a level of a score of that caliber where you're like, all right, so the turnovers are bad, but at the same time, the trade-off is like, this guy's capable of going for 40 on any night. So we live with it, whatever. Um, that's not the case. So I, I, I am genuinely concerned for Arizona. I'm going to be honest. I am for, for March run. Like, right. I, I, I think they're good enough to, I, I do think they're one of the best teams in the country. But to win six games in March, I don't trust that these guards can take care of the ball. And Kerr could not self-sabotage six straight games. And Larson, Larson is sneaky bad too. Like Larson is sneaky uh, a self-sabotager he, as well. He's he just, definitely gets complacent at times. I mean, he can look amazing, but he can also just be. I mean, yeah. he was absolutely off in the first few games in Maui. I think that uh, to me, the guy that they really maybe can lean on is this Boswell kid who came in. He had two assists, but he's a five-star point guard. And maybe there's a world in which, you know, they can develop some depth behind Kerr. Because that's what I really worry about. Like, zero you know, bench points in this game, Tate. Zero bench points. And if Kerr gets thrown out of a, a Sweet 16 game because he's doing some stupid stuff and he gets his second technical and he gets tossed, right? Now we don't have anybody to play point guard. And we have the yeah. two best big bigs in the country. And we have nobody that can make an entry pass to him because Courtney Ramey wants to take threes. And Cedric Henderson wants to take threes. And Pella Larson wants to take threes. And then <laughs> Balo and Dubelis are like... Hey, I'm open. And yeah. honestly, like I was saying about Timmy, the, the best uh, point guard behind Kirk Creesa on uh, the Wildcats outside of maybe Boswell was probably Tubelis. Like Tubelis probably <laughs> can get the rebound like a Jokic or a Sabonis now with the Kings and bring the ball up and run the offense and run a little high-low with him and Balo. And that might be their best, most secure way of actually protecting the ball. You just threw out a you just threw out a scenario that Kirk Creesa might get ejected in an NCAA tournament game. And I, I took it seriously. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah like, that's that's where we've arrived with the crease experience. Is like uh, any other player. If you're like, yeah, you know, one thing I'm worried about with Purdue is what if Zach Eady throws <laughs> an elbow and gets a flagrant too and gets tossed. Um, you know, that's a serious concern I have. I'd be like, dude, what? Like, the, you know, the right. chances that happening are so little. Like, why would we even talk about? But we've we've arrived at a point with Kirk Crease where it's like we actually have to talk about that because that could happen. That very well, much I, could happen. I crease. And also a guy that you never think it would happen to, Brady Mann, it could happen to him against Baylor. I mean, he got tossed from a tournament game last year when yeah. Carolina was up 27. And, then he, and so. then he went undrafted because of it, character flaw. 
Yeah, the, the right, scouts were like, I guess, this guy's... I, guess. This guy's. I was basically asking every scout at the MSG game why Brady Manic was not in the NBA, and no one gave me a real answer. <laughs> Everyone just laughed, and you're like, this isn't a joke. Why are we laughing? <laughs> why are you laughing at me? <laughs> um, no, Alabama... Oh, dude, Alabama's starting one through three, who Alabama is the worst... turn the, the, Of all the serious teams in college basketball, the teams that I'll actually watch multiple games of this year, Alabama's by far the worst turnover laden team um they're starting one through three still averages fewer turnovers than arizona starting one through three so because because teams when teams average a lot of turnovers um sometimes it can be weighted differently because it's big guys you know like big guys get doubled and then they get the ball stripped or big guys can't pass or you know offensive fouls on your big whatever it is um the real concern to me is when your guards are, are the ones that are throwing it all over the place like alabama and arizona are that's uh i don't know man that's it- and it doesn't seem like, uh, at least with with Arizona, like you know Tommy Lloyd's such a free flowing guy. Like he's not just pulling Kerr out and just like putting him on the bench and like you know I'm going to teach you a me- you know a lesson here. It's one of those yeah. things where that team, that starting five, <laughs> kind of has autonomy to make decisions and they live and die with the choices. And right. sometimes, uh, you know, that's not a good thing. So I I I, I think Arizona is a better basketball team than Tennessee, but I also think Tennessee is is better prepared more, for March. Yeah, far more suited. To, to win a national championship than Arizona. And does that make any sense to anybody out there? I don't know. It makes sense to me, and that's all that matters to me right now. <laughs> if, if Vescovy, it makes sense in my head. Right. If Vescovy was the starting point guard for Arizona and Kirk Creaser was the starting point guard for Tennessee, I think that actually would be like a great move for both sides. You know, Not in a world that we right. do or whatever, but like Vescovy is kind of what you need to just get these big guys eating. And Tennessee needs kind of a scoring guard to at least be a threat from that position. And Ziegler... To- up in this game yeah exactly I, but. I think tennessee's offense is good enough i'm, I'm there with tennessee's offense i i think it is i think i think tennessee is uh I, I think their offense is there um we'll see i don't know they got they got mississippi state i think on the third uh mississippi state great surprise in college basketball playing great defense uh so yeah. that'll be interesting like that that could be a big muck fest state the tennessee <laughs> versus mississippi state but uh that, that's what i want to see out of tennessee i don't even care about wins and losses i said that when they they played maryland um, whether you win, lose, otherwise, I don't care. Whether you hold a team to, to 12 points or 112 points, uh, I don't care. I'm talking about Tennessee here. Um, all I want to see out of Tennessee between now and the start of March Madness is an offense that I can believe in. And I, I saw it against Arizona. I did. I, I was like, this. the, the pieces are there. They're, they're hitting shots. Um, they have multiple guys that are threats from from three. And, and Ziegler's awesome. And Vescovy and Tyreek Key is a great wrinkle for them because he, he is – an absolute shooting threat. Like he's, he doesn't hit every shot, but uh, you have to honor it. Yeah. You have to honor it, dude. And you have to, when he's coming off a screen defense, he puts pressure on, <clears throat> excuse me, defenses and they do have to close out to him. And and I don't know. So you can't just pack it in on Tennessee and, and, and watch as they just brick shot after shot after shot. And, uh, and then you beat them 51 to 46 and, and wave goodbye to Rick Barnes. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work on this team. So I, I like what I see out of Tennessee. I, I think they're, I think they're well suited. So, yeah. Um, you want to do a little wooden award talk before we, uh, I'm very, wrap this up. This. Cause yeah. I, th- this is, we're, we're going to be fully transparent here. I saw that Arizona, um, <laughs> the Arizona basketball Twitter account, um, tweeted out a graphic that, uh, uh, John Fanta and Dick Vitale have, uh, Tubelis in their top five. That that he's that he's like an all American that that according to uh our friends Dick Vitale and, and John Fanta, Azulis Tubelis is one of the five best players in college basketball. And they were paying their respects to to those two big J's. 
And I was jealous, Tate, because I was like, I, I'm pretty sure Tate and I both also think that Tubelis is one of the five best players in college basketball. <laughs> yeah. like, why are we not getting mentioned in this stuff? Right. And then I realized we gotta we gotta do more of this. We gotta we gotta actually put out our top fives and our lists so we can so we can get aggregated, you know, so like people can can say like according to Titus and Tate, these guys are the all Americans and all that sort of thing. So um we should do that. And we and we are wooden award voters and, and we are gonna vote on this stuff. So uh, we gotta we gotta let the people know where we stand on this thing. So, wooden award. Where where do where do we stand? Where do you stand? I stand in a place where I think you know I went through the history of the wooden award. Um, you know it started back in '76. Uh, Marcus Johnson was the first winner, UCLA guy. That felt right. You know the original MJ. Um, and then after that, you know it was Phil Ford, it was Larry Bird, it was Michael Jordan, it was Ralph Sand. You know you go through the list of these winners, and the wooden award has never gotten it wrong. And for us to have a vote. Um, I just want to say I'm honored. Chris Mullen. I'm David honored. Robinson. If you're going to be an NBA superstar, you won the Wooden Award. It, it, unless you're Christian Leitner. Christian Leitner <laughs> was the first Wooden Award winner that actually broke the seal and was a bust. But everybody else <laughs> um, went on to have success and, and star at the next <laughs> level. So um, outside of 1992, which was obviously you know a big blip, uh, maybe even a bomb uh, as far as like misses in the NBA draft history, uh, everyone else is a winner. Um, but I'm excited. I have some honorable mentions before I get in my actual watch list. Uh, if, if before we get into our top five, if you're okay with that, um, my first honorable mention in my wooden watch list is Donovan Klingen uh, of Connecticut. Whoa. He is on my list. Uh, he is on my wooden watch list. A lot of people say, "What a guy coming off the bench is on your watch list? How? How sway? How can that be true? Best per in the country." And uh, look, I'm not a per guy. Per se, I don't, I don't necessarily. Unless it helps my argument. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what Vin, Vin Scully said. He said analytics are just for, you know, argument support, right? Nobody cares. Um, but for this argument right here, Donovan Klingen is on my watch list. He's not in my top five, but he is on the watch list. Again, best PR in the country. You're watching him. You're literally watching I, him. You're I watching, watching him play basketball. So he I is, am watching this man. He is, yeah. he is locked in. And who knows? He might end up being in my top five. We'll see what happens. Another man of honorable mention, we love him to death on this program, Baylor Shireman. Um, of Creighton Blue, Jays. <laughs> Creighton Blue Jays. I know a lot of people are saying they're falling off. They're saying, what is happening with the Blue Jays? I'm not done with them yet. Baylor Shireman, seven double-doubles in 12 games. That's fourth in the country. Um, find me another small forward that is in the top five of double-doubles in the country. You won't find one. Uh, Baylor Shireman. And again, you're not, you're not giving him an award. You're just saying you're simply watching him. So I am like, simply watching this man. I can't come at Tate for this. Yeah, I'm honorably watching this man. Um, <laughs> another man who is on my honorable mentions on my wooden watch list, R.J. Davis, specifically in Madison Square Garden. Um, that okay. is that okay. is only going to be okay. one game this year. But when, as far as R.J. Davis, when he is in Madison Square Garden, this is his city. To quote R.J. Davis, and uh, he is on my honorable. Unfortunately, mentions. I also watched him in Madison Square Garden, so I have to put him on my watch list as well. <laughs> yeah, I watched. Yeah. I, I, you watched it. Legacy you watched colon. It. Watched. watched. You watched. You saw it. Uh, two more honorable mentions for me. Kirk Kreisa, uh is on my honorable mention list um, just for the antics and also a triple-double. Um, there there have only been 14 guys to have a triple-double this season in college basketball. Kirk Kreisa is one of them. And then finally, my honorable mentions, Caleb Love and Jalen Wilson. They are in a battle for the most FGAs, my favorite stat in basketball, <laughs> Uh, you were on my wooden watch list based on your field goal attempts. Jalen Wilson right now is leading Caleb Love almost at the 200 mark. Caleb Love is at 194. Caleb has actually made more field goals than Jalen Wilson, despite all the haters talking. Uh, but both these guys trying to see who can take the most shots this season. Um, and I'm excited. This Kansas to team. 
they're hilarious they're hilarious dude they're <laughs> hilarious because they're they're actually it's actually working i think i think it's going to work i kind of like, it. like <laughs> how I can you have like a team it. yeah just it's it's a team full of wings and uh they they've, they've given no thought to any sort of it, it, it's just like like it's completely broken the mold of what bill self basketball of what i, I right. believe bill bill's bill self basketball to be and uh i don't know it's working so i guess i'm quickly I, Quickly yeah. to point out the Indiana game, I went on assembly call. Shout out to those guys, uh, you know, for ha- for having me on to talk about the Indiana Kansas game. And I went on there, Titus, a little bit brazen, so I have to apologize to those guys. But I said, Trace Jackson Davis is going to just going to wreck Kansas. They have no inside post presence. Who's going to guard Trace Jackson Davis on Kansas? And uh, I guess KJ Adams said me. And uh, KJ Adams absolutely shut him down. And again, like you said, that's another wing. KJ Adams is like six eight. Should probably be playing small forward, but somehow is playing the five. And it's working. <laughs> and Jalen Wilson's taking step back threes. Can you ima- can you oh, imagine yeah. going, dude? Go back to you don't even have to go back that far. Go back to twenty twenty and right. uh, tell me tell me that Bill Self has a team that is starting a small forward at center. <laughs> Three years later, he'll be starting a small forward at center. And I'm like, oh my god, dude, what? Did they even make the NIT? And it's like, no, they're they're actually a top five team. <laughs> and they're scary. They're really they're scary. scary. <laughs> so there you uh, go. Yeah. Uh uh I guess my, my honorable mention, I don't know. I I, I categorized it as I, I made a list of guys that <clears throat> have already lost. I did that. I was like, okay. this is I like that. Because I was trying to like feed, like guys who were on watch list to start the season. Um and and have are, are already out. Uh CBS preseason third team all American Derek Lively. For the Duke Blue Devils, I think it's fair to say he's not going to. to be I would, I would say, yeah, he's not going to be. An, has he made a shot outside of a dunk yet? I mean, someone show me the tape of that. So there I'm going to, go. I'm going to go ahead and say Derek Lively will not win the Wooden Award. No. I think Trace Jackson Davis has already lost. I think there's nothing he can do to win the Wooden Award at this point. I get, I don't know, man. No, it's maybe over. not. Maybe it's not. Over. Maybe I'm talking myself into like he just completely destroys Zach Eady twice, which is a tough ask, but. Uh, no, he's it's over, dude. It's, it's over. over. It's I, I think over. it's over. The can, KJ yeah. Adams killed his campaign, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I think I think TJD. I, I think he could still become an All American. I think there's a path to that. He'd be You're Big not, Ten Player of the Year if he destroys yeah. Zach Eady. There you go. But there's not. I don't think there's a path to him winning the Wooden Award anymore. Um, Hunter Dickinson's another guy. I don't. He has his path is 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 done. Right. Uh, I think your Carolina boys. Unfortunately, I'm um, I'm sad to say. I don't know how. Yeah, I, mean, I think, so. I think I mean, Baycott and Caleb Love are both. Um, unless just, you know, I, I guess, yeah, if, reasonably speak, I greater than a, uh, I'm, I'm more than 90% sure we'll still, put it that way. Caleb or Baycock could still win ACC player of the year, but I think national player of the year, national player of the year. I think, I think it's done. Nick Smith of Arkansas injured for a while coming back, like not playing a ton, not, you know, like he, I think his, he, he was a guy though, that people circled as like a dark horse. Um, and he's been know. good. Like to give him credit, he, yeah, he looks solid. But yeah, like you, but said, he's not. He's not going to win national player. Of he the missed year. the games that he needed to play to get that attention. Yeah. Right. And uh, the other one I, I I wrote down. I think Marcus Sasser's done. I think Marcus Sasser. I think I think the 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 uh, thing moving forward for this Houston team is the team itself. I think Houston is is posi- like that. That that was the joy of watching Houston Virginia. Is like there are two teams similar similarly minded where it's like yeah you do have one guy who is like the best player quote unquote but. At the same time, you're winning these games because you're so balanced and um, team defense and and team offense. Frankly, like you, they, the way they share the ball and uh, they, they, yeah, Sasser's Sasser's not going to win national player of the year. I'll put it that way. And if he does, 
it's because it's like a TJ Ford situation or something. It's like we like don't a, know who to give it to, and the yeah. he's the best player on the best team. A, so, yeah. It's a Jalen Brunson award, where it's like we don't <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say that. Poor Villanova fans, they don't want to fight this fight anymore. <laughs> I uh, I appreciate that Jalen won the Wooden Award, and I'm glad that Jalen. Remember when Jalen came on the show and it just basically like laughed? With no, us? he's an awesome dude. Yeah, he's an awesome. He's just you know I I and I don't I, I said he was the second best player on one of the best college basketball teams we've ever seen. Right. So like I don't. It wasn't disrespectful at all. I'm a hater now. Is that that makes me hate? Um. So uh, I would say I, I I don't know how I I didn't really I just wrote some names down and I wanted to talk. So Edie is definitely going to win the thing, right? right now like it's like it would it would be unanimous if we voted right now right, is, there, we, is there anyone else that's even you could could even you could even make a, a semi-coherent argument for i think who, who's the, number I think two the, i guess for me the Edie's number two number one for me is brandon miller what yeah <laughs> right dude get out of here get give me a get get no no i need where's tate I need Tate back. I don't need. Did, did, I, is Adam Silver I, paying you, dude? This is an Adam Silver type answer. Oh, this, this is, is like a, a. This is this a, is a. This is a Brandon Miller. Wow. Do you work for the Ringer again, and I don't realize oh, it. What the no, hell is Brandon, going on here, dude? Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller has has blown me away. And Edie, I'm trying to give him reason. I'm trying to help Purdue fans, right? I'm trying to give them a chip on their shoulder. You know, I don't want them to have. They, they can't be on cruise control. So I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to do something. That? I'm trying to do something to get him fired up. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Edie's unanimous right now. I mean, Edie is unanimous. It, it, obviously not if you yeah, You know what's happening? We're, they're going to look at the votes and they're going to say one person didn't vote for Edie and they're going to try to figure out who it is. And it's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be that guy. So this, is, this is an attention. This is a content play for this, you. This, this is, this is, is a... digital content. And it's, okay. also, <laughs> it's also like in, in a world where everyone is a Victor Wimbanyama guy. I'm a Brandon Miller guy. Give me oh Brandon. my god! Oh well, no. Oh, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'll, 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 I'll go there with you. I'll say Brandon Miller should be the number one pick because why not? There's no stakes to that. I don't right. actually have a. I'm not actually a G, but I'm gonna. Wood, I don't want to lose my vote, dude. They just, they just gave me the Wooden Award vote back. I'm not right. voting today. I'm just saying my list today. I'm just telling you what it says because I want to motivate Zach Eady. I want to get Zach Eady fighting for my respect. I want Zach Eady to say until this man respects dude, my game. This is not. This is what I want. This is Adam Silver NBA of you. This is like for you to. Just... I will say Brandon Miller and Jaime Jaquez Jr. were the two that were fighting for the number one spot, and uh, and I ended up going with Brandon Miller just because I think he had his wooden moment, you know. Um, so you have Zach Eady at third. You no, have I have Jaquez... Zach Eady at second. I, I have Jaquez at third. So walk me through this Actually, logic again. You had Jaquez and Miller fighting for the number one spot, right? And Miller won that fight because well, I needed. But someone, then Hawkes goes to third. I needed someone to, to give Zach Eady. I needed someone to give Zach Eady someone to chase because I, I couldn't put it. It's the same. I don't want to put Purdue at number one anyway because I want Purdue to have something to aspire to. Because you know what I want, Mark Titus. I want a final four. I want I, them to actually do it in March. So I am trying to be the bigger man for all of Purdue fans for for Laura Titus, Laura Legend. I'm trying to help the Boilermakers get over the hump. And if we keep spoon feeding these people and we keep giving them everything they want in the regular season, they're not going to get over the home and that's all i know i will i will tip my cap and i will uh, uh i'll respect the move and in, in, in this regard that uh the, you, you were thinking like what's best for college basketball you're you right. doing the like i'm not actually making a list of the players i like the best I'm, I'm trying to make the best college basketball would be at its best this is the biggest w for college basketball we have brandon miller as the face of college basketball that's yes. how you get all the the casual college basketball the 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 adam silver nba fans um 
maybe it gets them to watch some college games that they wouldn't otherwise. I uh, want the general population to say, "Wow, this Brandon Miller guy, he's yeah. he's really good." I have I have Brandon Miller as a first team All American right now for sure. There's there's right. no doubt about that. So it's not that part's not, but but saying he's best, <laughs> he's not been better. <laughs> I'm number one is <laughs> he's not been better than Zach Eady, but he's number one on my board, and uh, it's my vote and deal with it. You know that <laughs> that's what it is. All right, know? if Brandon Miller scores thirty six, if, if if he scores thirty six like every night, he's gonna he's gonna pass Zach Eady for sure. But uh, right, <laughs> right, <laughs> come on, man. Uh, I have probably unanimous, but right now Brandon Miller's got my. Well, I was, I was so the reason I wanted to do this is because, uh, as I said, Fanta and, and Dickie V had Tubelis as first team All American, which which says that they have him as one of the five best players in the country. And Arizona Twitter account was like, "Sick, we gotta, we gotta give our guy props." Um, I'm not even doing this for. I'm not even doing this so that Arizona will love me. I'm doing this because I, I genuinely feel this way, and I was triggered by them, you know, uh, uh showing love to Fanta and Dickie V because I think the number two wooden guy right now is Azulis Tavellis. Right. I, I, I genuinely believe that. So when I saw that they were like, wow, thank you guys for having him first team all American. I was like, first team all American, buddy. I have him number two behind Zach Eady. I have him very much in the, the wooden award hunt that, that if Eady slips up if Purdue, you know, loses a few games that they shouldn't. And all of a sudden like this story behind Eady, isn't like this gigantic man who is leading, college basketball's most unstoppable team and Purdue is like ranked 21st or something because they've lost three of five. Um, and, and all of a sudden the wooden awards there for the taken Azulis Tubelis is going to scoop it up and run with it. And I'm going to tell you why Tate, it's not even just about the stats. The reason I think this man is number two is because he makes Arizona's entire, <clears throat> excuse me, their entire situation work. The, the whole reason Arizona is so good right now is because they can play Ballo and Tubelis together. And how how great of a luxury is that? How many teams do we see around college basketball have two great big men, um, and they can't play together because they they, they just can't coexist, in, in that sort of way where they can play off of each other. And because Tubelis is so skilled and so such a great passer from the high post, and um, he's the reason that they can play together. And then the reason that they can play together, other teams have to react to that, and they have to play two big men together that they don't want to play. And if they don't do that, then it's a huge mismatch. If they do do that, then suddenly they're put in a position where they're playing two big guys that they don't want to play together on the same time. He creates so many problems for the other teams when you're going into these games, and that's before you even start about his production. That's before you even look at like him averaging 20 and 10 or whatever it is. I, I didn't even look at his stats. What, what is he averaging actually? But it was it is like 20 and 10, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's like 19 and 8, but basically 20 and 10. Yeah, yeah I mean, Balo's averaging 18, right? So the two of those guys are unbelievable. But Balo can't average 18 if – Balo can't even play if Tubelis is is Trace Jackson Davis. If Tubelis right. is – if Tubelis has the skill set of Oscar Sheboy, Balo cannot get on the floor. Balo will stay on the bench and What's they will awesome? do it. They will sub in for each other, and they will both play 20 minutes a game, and that's how it is. But but because Tubelis is, is so skilled and so good – it allows Ballo to play. It allows Arizona's entire offense to work. Um, and 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 he is single-handedly the reason that I think this team is so good. I think it's Azulis Tabellas. Yeah, and there the cool go. thing about Arizona is uh, when we were in Maui, you know, we we had votes for the the most valuable player, you know, in the tournament. And I voted Tubelis. You voted Ballo. Ballo should have been because Ballo. I mean, ridiculous stats in there. But it's like you watch Arizona play, you can see who the best player is on their team and the he, player that makes everything work. And it's obviously Tubelis. And the really cool thing that I learned watching them against Indiana is like when when <laughs> Tubelis beats everyone down the court, both yes. ways. 
Yes. He is he's the, the the best running big man I've seen. And what's great about it is that like Tubelis is the big for the primary break, and Balo is the big for the secondary break. So if Tubelis yes. beats you down the court, then boom, that's a layup. But if he doesn't and you get back, then there's a second wave with Balo. Who it's like you know you you're relieved that you got down the floor to like Trish Jackson Davis is sprinting to try to get up with Tubelis and then here comes Balo with the second wave and then he gets an entry pass and he dunks over you or he throws a lob to Tubelis and it's like man how can you stop these two guys together and I really think that Tubelis is only going to get more involved in running the offense through him whether it's through the mid post high post and like you were saying that high low action between those two um, the Josh McRoberts. The right. Josh McRoberts uh, role. Bob, the, the, yeah, the the uh, the point forward. That's what we want. I want to. You point see the vision. You see the vision I have for uh, two bells. Uh, <laughs> no, man, the run of the floor part of it too is is again like the, the the whole thing. The whole reason Arizona's offense can work is because they are so deadly in transition. And it's not that their guards. It's their guards aren't the reason they're deadly in transition. You right. know, it, it, it helps. It helps that the guards all have confidence to pull from anywhere, and anytime they have daylight they'll they'll shoot a three off zero passes in transition but um Tubelis is the reason that, that the transition game works is the reason that that ba- he is he unlocked Ballo and he's the reason that Ballo can be so great down low um yeah I don't know so so he's number two for me for all those reasons beyond the context like I know there are going to be a lot of voters that just look at stats and they're going to say but wait a second Oscar Sheboy's averaging more rebounds than than this guy and uh and is Tubelis really that important because they have a they have another big guy that's also putting up monster numbers. So really it might just be the system. And it's like, bitch, the reason the system works is because of this guy. You take yeah. this guy, if, if Tubelis, knock on wood, I'm not hoping for this. I, I shouldn't even put it out there, but like if Tubelis rolls his ankle or, or, you know, is hurt and is missing five, six games, it, that drastically changes what this Arizona team is. If Ballo misses games, like they're, they're not going to be as good, but they're going to play the same exact style of, of basketball. And they're going to be, you know, it's it's going to look the same. It's just not going to be quite as good. If Tubelis goes out, they are a completely different team, and they become they got to figure out some stuff. They're still going to try to run, and they're still going to be like, "This is who we are." Let's let's see what happens. But it is not. It is it is going to be a drastic difference. So I have Tubelis as number two by, right. by a, kind of a wide margin. Honestly, I have, I have Edie at one. Then I have Tubelis at two. I think Brandon Miller's probably third, but I I, I have a big gap between uh between Edie and Tubelis and the rest right now. Right. I got I I. I, I yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna, I got Miller, Ed, Tubelis. I mean, Tubelis should be should be in that group. And if you argue him as the guy, I, you won't have any argument from me because he is uh, he's a tone setter, and he's also like Kirk Creesa speaks as if he is Tubelis. You know what I mean? He's talking like he's yeah. the one doing what Tubelis. Like he's the mouthpiece for Tubelis, while Tubelis is not saying a word and just doing all the dirty work. And uh, yeah, he's really good. So I, I mean, I think that top I got- three. And then I probably have Jalen Wilson and Sonogo as my All American team right now. I probably have them those two as uh Sonogo is is same sort of thing. Like Sonogo is is um at the same sort of thing as Subelis. Like his skill is it goes beyond just the production. It's like watching this guy and like the the attention that he demands from other defenses. It's like it, he he he's so freaking good. The reason I don't have him higher is just because UConn is so good across the board that um you know, I, like, like having Klingon off the bench kind of undermines yeah. Sonogo's national player of the year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of, that kind of, but, but again, like UConn situation, have Klingon, a guy that you is on your watch list, Tate. Um, and he can't start. He doesn't start because he can't start. And the reason he can't start is because those two guys can't play together. And that just underscores to me, like the importance of Tubelis that like he, he is, 
he allows Arizona to play two big men like that together, and they have the best front court in the country because of it. And I don't know, but yeah, I got Timmy still in the mix. By the way, as much as I I shit on Timmy in the preseason, and and I've I've kind of built a reputation as a Timmy hater, I I think Timmy's still in the mix. I think he's in the mix too. I think I think he's in the mix, and I think Jaime Hawkes will be in the mix. Hawkes Hawkes well. is up there. Yeah, Hawkes is my Hawkes is my four. Instead of Jalen Wilson, I have Hawkes at four, and then I have to know go at five, and then I have a six man Jamal Mashburn Jr. And that's just because I love him. And uh, and Rick Pitino just lost to Jamal Mashburn Jr. and Jalen House and uh, Richard Pitino, so they're eleven and zero. So that that's my five plus one wooden watch list. But I think that those are really the players that are involved. I also in the list of people that are out of it. I thought Terrence, aka TJ Shannon, was going to be in the mix, but I think he's out of it too. He's so. already out. Yeah, he's like. What yeah. about Shibway? What about the guy who won it last year that uh, is still putting up? What, what what's Shibway's stats right now? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up instead of guessing. Go ahead. I think, think that Shibway is going to be in the conversation just because he has to be, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's like third team All American. You know, where it's like, who's this other? Who's the last big that we put in? Um, but I think him and Timmy are going to be fighting for that spot. To be honest with you, and I think. Timmy would probably have the edge right now for me over Shibway. Um, not to say that Oscar's not playing well. Um, but He's averaging 15 feel... and 14. Right. It just feels... Yeah, but it it, it, it feels a lot different. The, the charisma's gone. The charisma's been completely sucked away from Oscar and and all things Kentucky basketball, honestly. And Oscar like just... doesn't have that ability like to, to Bellis to, to kind of run the offense through him, you know, so to speak. Like, he's not really... That guy, he gets his buckets on offensive rebounds. You know, he he kind of does the garbage work for this team, and they need a guard to actually set the tone. And I think it could be Wallace, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, watching Kentucky, they're a bit of a mess. And just seeing them against UCLA, one team is very well coached. One team knows what they're doing. They have a plan. And the other team feels like they're freelance in every possession. And that comes down to coaching. I uh, I, I reached a point uh, in the in – the... I think it was probably like yesterday or, or the fallout of the UCLA game is Kentucky fans are losing their minds and and they've had enough. And um, I don't, I really don't know if they're trying to put Cal in the hot seat or not. He's, I don't think he is on the hot seat. I don't think uh, Kentucky's AD is going to even entertain the idea of it, but uh, for, for the, for big blue nation, they've had just about enough of Cal, it seems. Um, but I had, I had a, uh, a revelation like yesterday that I don't, I don't blame them. Like, I think like, 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 not that, not that I'm trying to like pile on Cal, but like, there, there's this idea that that uh, Kentucky fans are irrational and behaving crazy. And I saw like a lot of Kentucky sports radio clips being passed around by people who are fans of other teams and just laughing at them. And um, and they are funny, and I laugh along too. But uh, I, th- I, I think if you're like a neutral fan, you tune into like Kentucky losing to UCLA, you see Kentucky fans lose their mind, and you say you're overreacting, dude. You're you're you, you want to fire your coach because of one game because of because they lost to UCLA. UCLA is a good team. Like, why would you disrespect UCLA like that? Um, dude, the, the, like I said about Oscar, like the charisma is just completely gone from that program. There's like nothing, there's no juice left whatsoever. And, and if I'm a Kentucky fan, like it is, it is bleak times right now. Like the only silver lining is at least you're not Louisville, but um, every big game, it feels like Kentucky plays in right now, they lose. And there's a lot of parallels between, the Kentucky basketball fan base and the Ohio state football fan base, which is probably why I identify with it so much is that like outsiders are like, dude, you still win this percentage of games. You still, <clears throat> excuse me, have the best recruiting every single year. You're still always in the mix. I would love to have the, the, the quote unquote failures that you're dealing with right now. And that's true. But at the same time, you're like, man, you don't know what it's like to, 
every single big game to like be, be, be sold a bill of goods to be told like this team's different from last time. This is at this time it's going to be different. And then you go to a big game and you blow it and you choke and you look like shit and like whatever. And you just kind of keep repeating that cycle. And at a certain point you are going to lose your mind. I saw the one clip, the, uh, the one KSR clip that was getting shared the most was like this guy, like screaming at the guy screaming at Cal that can, that playing for Kentucky should mean something. And that, like, okay. if you're going to put on that jersey, and people were just roasting this guy, like, man, it seems like uh, the folks in Lexington are taking the loss to UCLA well. And some saw, small part of me had sympathy for it because I thought, you know, I said this to you, Tate, that, that if, if you care about something deeply and other people um, don't care at all about it, you're always going to look insane. You're mm-hmm. absolutely always going to look like you're you're out of your mind and and that's what's kind of happening with Kentucky right now and it's happening with Ohio State football and it's happened with Carolina basketball last year at times uh and this year at times and I don't know I guess that's my lesson in all of this that I've learned this is the I've grown up a little bit I think because I used to I used to just point laugh at, at Kentucky fans in this sort of situation and now I'm like dude I sort of do feel bad for you I feel bad that uh um it's not just that you're losing, but you feel like your players and your coach don't give a shit and that they're using your program that means so much to you and your family for their own personal gain. And ultimately they do not give one single shit about the Kentucky on the front of their jerseys or the, the history of the program and all that. And whether that's true or not, that seems to be the feeling right now with Kentucky. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to say that I, I, I feel you big blue nation, but also, yeah. also your tears are delicious and we love it. <laughs> it's one of those things where like, you know, I get it now. I don't get it. You know, it's like, you'll never get what a Kentucky fan is. Cause we're not a K- Kentucky fan, but we get the, the feeling of, you know, th- this is fandom. This is, this is what it is. And, uh, Kentucky yeah. hasn't felt like Kentucky in a while. It's felt like the Calipari Nike factory. And they know yeah. that we know that we pointed that out to them. They didn't like that. We pointed that out, but at a certain point on a lifetime contract, I would like to have, a sense of this is Kentucky basketball. And when you have a guy from, you know, Moon Township, Pennsylvania, who's going to get out of Lexington as soon as, as soon as the time is over, you know, I mean, this is just one of those things where, you know, you, you have a mercenary that's there and yes, he's become a part of the community, but we still know who he is. He's still a, a separate entity. And if Cal could coach the Knicks tomorrow, he would go coach the Knicks. I mean, that's just, you, you know what you're dealing with. And that's why Kentucky fans are losing their minds because they're like, I just want someone to get it. I want someone to come back and speak to me and say, I grew up in the Bluegrass State. I'm from Bowling Green, Kentucky, and this is what Kentucky basketball is, and this is how we play Kentucky basketball, and da 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 da. You know, they want to be sold that dream again, that t- told that story, and um, I, I think, I think it'll be fascinating if things keep trending this way for Kentucky. What happens because a lifetime contract? We've seen the buyout numbers. They put it out. I think every year it goes down five million. Right now it's at fifty-seven million to buy out Cal. Then it goes down to like fifty-two, and then forty. You know, and it's like how many? At what point is the million dollars? How many? How many? You know, Kentucky fans will raise money to get thirty-two million dollars to get rid of Cal in four years? I'd I'd say a lot if it continues to trend this way. Where mm-hmm. we win the off season, everyone hypes us up. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that, and then it's a dud. And I know it's only November, December, so we got plenty of time to go. But like even last year at this time, they blew the brakes off North Carolina in the CBS Classic. I mean, they couldn't even play on the same court. Yeah, and Calipari and Oscar Sheboy, and it looked like he had kind of figured out the future. You know, he's like, we're going to play in the transfer portal. We're going to find veteran guys. We're going to bring them in, and we're going to win national championships. And now when, even that seems like it's falling flat with the fans. It's not landing with when, the fans. 
what's the last Kentucky team you loved? Like, when's the last? What's the last? Elite Michael? Bunk, <laughs> Fox, Bam, out of right. Yeah, because the 2019 team goes <clears throat> goes to the lead eight and they lose to to Auburn. Um, and and they had a good team, but it's also like I don't. I look back on that to the PJ Washington, Tyler Hero, Ashton Hagens, who like Reed Travis was on that team. Like they weren't. They 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 didn't have the the the, the charisma I never felt. I never really like felt yeah. like I was I was a neutral Fox, fan. Like, Monk, yeah, and that was like the like, last time. If I was a Kentucky fan, I was like I would go to war for these guys. Like these guys get it. This is. I mean, we well, saw it after yeah. they lost. I mean, they were absolutely devastated. Yeah. They loved being at Kentucky, and they wanted to be there. And uh, it just felt like it. It felt like it fit. And now it feels like they're trying to figure it's out been, what it's like again. It's been six years of tweets that say John Calipari's made three billion dollars for his players, and we've produced this many draft picks. Six years of that will will drive anybody crazy. I think. Right. Right. <laughs> A hundred percent. And it, it, it's a fair feeling for Kentucky fans. So like you said, it might seem crazy and people are laughing and dancing on their graves. But at the same time, you're supposed to have the reigning national player of the year coming back. You're supposed yeah. to be competing for a national championship. And in the games that you've been on a national stage, you have not looked anything close to it so yeah. far, at least. And having said that, we will continue to laugh at Kentucky because that's what we we have <laughs> that's to do. What we do. But, uh, right, right. It's part of the I, job. I, I am going. Part of the job. I, well, I I guess the reason I'm upset, Tate, is because I'm not. I, I I can't pick Kentucky or Duke right now to win the national championship when when March rolls around. Right. Um. And I was hoping to give. I was hoping uh, one still, of those teams would be pick a two Duke seed. They think. Uh, they think they're going to win it. You can still pick Duke. I was hoping one of those teams would be a two seed, so I could go three for three on my fifteen over two. <laughs> but I don't think either one of them are going to be a two seed. Uh, all right, shout outs close out. So let's wrap it up. Oh, man. I just want to shout out. There's some, even though there aren't like high profile games, there's some good games to keep an eye on tonight. We got Virginia playing Miami uh, tonight. We got Wake Forest playing Duke tonight. There's some good ACC games. So uh, I am in ACC country. I am in North Carolina. I am back home in North Carolina. So I'm excited to watch those games. So, uh, you know, this this is a week of college basketball where things are winding down. The Jumpman Invitational is tomorrow night. North Carolina will play Michigan. So that'll be fun. I think Florida plays Oklahoma. Are you going to that? I was going to go to is that. It in Charlotte? It's in Charlotte. Um, you know, we're, my hometown, Henderson, is, you know, about three and a half hours from Charlotte. Been a lot of traveling lately, and uh, we as a family decided we're just going to watch it at home. You know, we're, we're going to have an old school Carolina, you know, just watch the basketball game, chill out. So won't be at the game, but we'll be watching at home. So shout out to that. We got some good games this week. If you guys let Michigan beat you after you beat us in that manner, um, I'm going to be sick. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to be sick. I'm just letting Same. you know that. I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing a sternly worded letter to Hubert Davis, and I'm mailing it to him. I'm I'm gonna be sick as well, but I do I still have a little bit of uh Armando Baycott has not do- dominated anyone taller than him yet this year, and uh, Hunter Dickinson is taller than him. Last time I checked, so I uh, you know Zeki <laughs> uh, is way shorter than him. I love that they will open open this game. The broadcast this is keys to the game. Hunter Dickinson taller than Armando Baycott. It's like <laughs> it, one of the bullet it, points. It's worry. It's worrisome. It's got it's got uh, my. So I'm worried about that game. I want to shout out a couple shooters. Uh, Adam Flagler, Baylor, shooting 52% from the three-point line. Today. He's taking six a game. Take more. He's insane. He's absolutely insane. He's 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 in the hunt for the Salim Stoudemire uh, territory for me, where I, I scream from the rooftops like, this guy cannot miss, and why why are we not talking about him more? And, um, yeah, he's, he's shooting 52% from three, 50% from, uh, from the field in general, and 88% from the free-throw line. Um, and and Salim Stoudemire, as a reminder, once upon a time, shot 50, 50, 91, and averaged like almost 20 a game doing it. Uh, 
But Adam Flagler's knocking on that door. He's he's entering Salim Stoudemire territory. Meanwhile, far fewer shots per game. Why? I have no idea. But uh, my man David Singleton of UCLA is also shooting 52% from the three-point line. And every time I watch UCLA play, I am screaming at Mick Cronin. He doesn't hear me because he's screaming just as loud as I am at his players. <laughs> um, why is this man not shooting more? It makes no goddamn sense to me. He's shooting four... Four and a half threes a game, and he's shooting 53, uh, 52%. Um, he's only he's only averaging seven field goal attempts per game. He's coming off the bench for UCLA. He's he's like a, he's got to be a super senior, right? Like this man's been around forever. I feel like he's he's been at UCLA since I've been in LA. Like I feel yeah. like I was going to games going to games before I even lived out here. When you I come David out and visit you, play against Cincinnati with Mick Cronin coaching. Yeah, I swear. <laughs> um, I, I, it makes no sense to me. He, he, I have circled David Singleton as a guy when, when we do our draft talk, uh, in, in June, I'm going to be mentioning his name uh, way more. The, the, no, no, no other draft show you'll listen to will mention the name David Singleton except Titus and Tate because I will be talking all the time about how I would draft David Singleton in the first round and then get fired because he won't pan out in the NBA. But I'm like, dude, I'm in love with this man. He does not I, miss, he doesn't miss. I told you when we were at MSG, I think the big brain move uh, for UCLA to, to be a national championship type team is to swap Amari Bailey with David Singleton. I think they start Singleton as the two guard, let him just spot up, and then Amari Bailey, you come off the bench and you're the scoring option on the second team. Yeah. And then that, I think, opens up things for Amari Bailey to have the ball in his hands and yada, yada, yada. So that is my big brain move to Mick Cronin. Put Singleton in, start Singleton. I know you have to placate the, you know, the five-star recruit that's coming from Sierra Canyon, but I don't know. Might be I got good. Singleton on my big board right now. That's all I'm saying in the draft. Right. Draft this man. He's he's incredible. I love him. Uh, I think that's it. I don't, I don't know if I have any other shout, shout out to uh, Lionel Messi, this uh, soccer player. I don't know if you heard of him, Tate. Won the World Cup. Pretty that good. was pretty cool. Pretty good. Um, Mbappe was amazing, too. I mean, I I, uh, I had no stake in the game. I was happy to see Messi win because uh, I always felt bad for him with the Maradona stuff. It just felt like Maradona fans were just bullying Messi. They're like, "You're you will never be Maradona," even though he's been, you know, arguably the greatest soccer player we've ever seen. So, uh, I am happy to see him get a win. It was also amazing to watch Mbappe play him on that stage. And uh, unfortunately, I was on a plane for most of it, so I was watching on my phone. So I did not get. The- I was on a plane too. Yeah, I was flying back. Yeah, <laughs> I, I watched it on the. Uh, I watched it on the plane, and it was pretty wild to be yeah it, it was a uh for me at least i i, I think it's going to be a remember where you were type right that uh, I, I think i'll always remember that where i was on that plane watching and the celebration uh, in argentina where the i mean it was like uh it looked like it was out of a video game i mean i thought it was one of those ai creations i've never seen that many people celebrating in unison in such good spirit and good you know i mean that's it was a new a- life goal of mine is to go to one of these countries for a world cup final and when they win be there for it to to just you know you just got to make so, sure that you're the there for the win and not the loss because i feel I like the loss i know riot, riots begin and you don't want to be I know. <laughs> you're gonna get the hell out france is all riots <laughs> <laughs> or like the year i decide i'm gonna do it it's like iran versus <laughs> russia in the final <laughs> yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah see you guys there <laughs> and i'm already <laughs> I think 2026. I think 2026. We're going to the final four. I think I uh, mark it now. Uh, USA is the Morocco of 2026. We're going to the uh, final four. We're the heartfelt story. Everyone loves us. It's gonna be great. Last last thing I was gonna ask you. Uh, Avatar two. Are we sure? What do you think? I think that they've done a really good job. And I told you this. Are you gonna story. see it? Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. I think I'm gonna go see it uh, with my mom and brother when I'm back home. Um, but 
I did see that James Cameron, I guess, made the actors actually act underwater. And that is like the, you know, there's always something that James Cameron does. You're like, why does the Academy, why are they fawning over this man and lauding him so much? Even though James, we know James Cameron's, you know, he's one of the greatest. So it, it, it's not shocking, but he, he made Zoe Saldana and uh, Sam, whatever his name is. Uh, I can't believe Sam that. Yeah, I wish it was Sam Meninga. <laughs> but you know, Matt Damon passed on Avatar, by the way. He was supposed to be the star of Avatar and he would have gotten 10% of the box office. Um, so he would have made $250 million. The reason I want to see Avatar, and I, I thought I, I saw the first one like every other living person on this planet, apparently. Um, right. And, everyone, and like, everyone's seeing this one, too. And, and when like, it first came out, I was like, no one's going to want to see this, and now everyone wants to see it. Well, like everyone else, after I saw the first one, I forgot everything about it the next morning and right. couldn't, couldn't tell you one character's name. I couldn't even tell you what really happened other than, that, like, I remember they put their tails together and had sex that way, and I was like, that's something <laughs> that's, like, oh, yeah. that's interesting um i don't remember who was in the first avatar i don't remember anything about it honestly uh yeah. so i wasn't sure if i was gonna watch this one and then i've seen so many articles or stories or tweets or whatever uh about james cameron just being a general i don't know if asshole is the right word but just kind of like a like being a dick i guess like like talk because i saw the exact same matt damon thing but it was like a quote from cameron that was like I'll have him for Avatar three if he wants, but he's not getting ten percent this time. Or like he, like he said it like some snarky. Like every single story I've seen about promoting this movie has just been James Cameron being a little bit of a a, a self centered prick, which he kind of is. But right. it made me want to see the movie so much more because I'm like this. This is hilarious. It's like the funniest PR campaign ever that they're just like our director. He's he's insane and he's a dick to everybody. And for that reason, you're going to see this movie. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think I am. <laughs> right. And when it first came out, he was like, I'm not even sure if I'll do a sequel. And now I, I see that it's like James Cameron is planning five Avatar films. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> who five? wants this? Who wants this? And it's James. James it's, is like, I want it. And you're going to watch him. Dances with Smurfs does it again. Smurfs. And, uh, he, he will raise the bar. That's the, that's one of the best South Parks ever. James Cameron in the abyss trying to raise the bar. And the bar is so low. Oh, my God. The bar is so low. So thank you, Jim Cameron. God bless. Uh, all right. That's the show. Um, I Again, uh, to reiterate, I have uh, Zach Eady 1, Tubelis 2, uh, Brandon Miller 3. I put Sonogo at four and Jalen Wilson five. So if you run social media for any of those schools and don't right. put uh, me in your graphic, you're a fraud and you probably will be on the fraud power rankings on uh, Friday. So yeah, know. Alabama, I expect to see a graphic with me. Brandon Miller is the best player in the country. He has gotten my wooden vote as of now, as of December 20th, it could update <laughs> tomorrow, but as of right now in this moment, number one, Brandon Miller, number two, Zach Eady, number three, Tubelas, number four, Jaime Hawkes Jr. Number five, Adama Sonogo. So there you go. That's our top five. I think that's a really good list. And it's a great list. And if you don't put it out, you're cowards. You're not only. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's the show. See you guys later this week.